0: First Thessalonians chapter 3, picking up from where Pastor Mark left off last week. I'm going to read the first five verses of chapter 3, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get into our text. So starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter, might have tempted you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can freely study it here and get to know you as our Lord and Savior a little bit better each and every time. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through your scriptures. I pray for open hearts and open minds this morning. I pray that we would not hear from any single person, but that we would hear directly from you. So may your Holy Spirit be ever so present among us this morning as we go to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I was studying this passage these past few weeks, and and I was reading it and rereading it and meditating on it as as I typically do as I study for a message, I was astonished at the heart of Paul, at how relational Paul was. Paul had a genuine love for the church in Thessalonica, as he did for all the churches that he planted in that region. This was a a deeply powerful love that he had for the Thessalonians. It's what we we would call an agape love. Agape is a Greek word, and it means love. And there's a few Greek words uh, that can be translated into the English word love. But agape is, is unique because it's an active verb, and it means a sacrificial love. It means to serve someone sacrificially. You're, you're, you're sacrificing for another person. And, and as the Lord began to reveal this to me about Paul as I studied this text, at some point I thought of what Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter eleven and verse 1. He said this: Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. The Lord, through the Apostle Paul, calls us to imitate Paul as he also imitates Jesus Christ. Now, that's a high calling. It's a high calling. And there are many components to that calling, but we're going to focus on this one component, this one attribute of Paul that we see in this passage, this component of agape love and his concern that Paul had for the church, and it's something we're, we are to imitate. You know, most of you, as I look out and see all your faces, I know that most of you come to church pretty regularly, every Sunday. Maybe you serve in some capacity here at this church, and that's great. You're a, you're a part of this church. You're a big part of this church. But I wonder how intimately part a part of this church are you. That's the key word, intimately. Are we intimately a part of this church? Now, I understand that, you know, we all have our own responsibilities, right? We have responsibilities to our spouse, our, our children, maybe, our, our family, our friends, right? We, we all have jobs. But if we're going to be a church, in the true ecclesiastical definition of the word, we must build relationships at this church, and the only way we can truly minister to each other, truly minister to each other, is through those relationships. Look at verse 1. Right? He says, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. That therefore, it connects this passage with the previous passage in, verse, in chapter 2 that, chap- that Pastor Mark preached on last week. And if you remember, Pastor Mark took us to the book of Acts, right? Six- chapters 16 and 17. And he talked about how Paul had been preaching the gospel in, throughout the region in, in various cities, including Thessalonica, and he kept getting kicked out of those cities. They didn't want to hear the gospel in those cities. And they kept chasing him out of each and every city. And so he had to leave his church in Thessalonica. And in, in the previous passage in, in chapter 2, Paul writes that to the people in the church that he has a great love for them. And now in today's passage, he's going to express just how much he loves them by communicating some of the torment, some of the torment that he has in his heart, because he's separated from his brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let me ask this question, does that describe you? Does that describe you with respect to your concern for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you so involved in people's lives that you're constantly concerned about where they're at spiritually? Are they in the Word? Are they growing in sanctification? Are they being tempted by the evil one? Because this is what a church is. That's what a church does. A church is not the building, a church is not the, the pastors, it's not the elders, it's not the leadership. A church is the people. People who truly care about one another and truly care about their spiritual maturity of one another. And that describes the Apostle Paul. Now Paul wants them to know that he's really concerned about them and that, that's very important. It's very important. Why? Because when a believer is suffering, when a believer's heart is troubled. When a believer is being sifted like wheat, it's incredibly encouraging to them to know that there is someone who has compassion for them. Look at verse 2. Paul says, We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. That ought to be true of every relationship in our lives, right? Strengthening and encouraging. We should do that with our spouse, our children, maybe our parents, our friends. When something is going on with those that we love the most, it has a tremendous impact. And we encourage them. But this should also be true of our relationships in the church, When our brother in Christ is going through a spiritual struggle, it should shake us to the core. Shake us to the core. Why? Because we're united in Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the ability to pray, to intercede, and to minister to one another. To minister to one another. Now, what does it mean to minister to somebody? Have you ever wondered that? What exactly does it mean to minister to somebody? To minister to someone, it means to tend, tend to the needs of somebody. To tend to someone's needs. That's what a church is about. It's not just about showing up and getting fed spiritually and maybe a few minutes ago physically with breakfast that we just had. It's not just about getting fed. It's it's about getting fed so that we can function as a body. And we see this in the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 1 again. When we could endure it no longer. Could endure what no longer? Well, in the context of this passage, he was separated from the Thessalonians. And he knew that they were suffering persecution. And he did not know what was going on with them spiritually. He did not know if they were standing firm in the faith. He did not know if they were wandering from Christ. And he said, I can't endure it any longer. Paul couldn't endure any longer, not knowing if the Thessalonians were being led away from the faith, if they were being tempted by the tempter. Now, I want you to see something. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, the word for endure, the same word for endure is used here. It's the word stego. And in, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul uses it to say this, that he and his co-laborers were able to endure all things so that the gospel would not be hindered. They could endure all things For the sake of the gospel. And then here he says, But we cannot endure, not knowing how it goes with you. Now let's put that in in its proper context. Paul says that he can endure, that he endures all things for the sake of the gospel. What does he mean by that? Turn to your left in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We've got the book of Acts, Romans, then 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians. Now I'm going to read a few verses starting in verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, he says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. And then he goes on to list the hardships that he's endured For the sake of the gospel. He says, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. In other words, he was beaten to death many times. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Now, back in this culture, it was known that if you were to be lashed 40 times, you were dead. Five times he received 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Do you see what he's saying here? What Paul's saying here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, if you want to turn back to that. He's saying, I can endure hunger. I can endure imprisonment. I can endure persecution. I can endure being beaten to the brink of death, being beaten with rods, being stoned, being shipwrecked. I can endure being martyred, but I cannot endure not knowing... If you're walking in the faith, I must know if you're walking in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Is that not love? Is that not agape love from the Apostle Paul? Is that not self-denial? Sacrificing for his brothers and sisters in Christ to the point of loss. And I ask, does that describe me? Does that describe you? Does this passage describe the Rock Community Church? Do we have a powerful desire to know that the people in this church are being sanctified? That we're not succumbing to the temptations of the evil one? He's saying, I can endure any kind of suffering, but my love for you is so great that I have to know if you're walking in the faith. Now let's look at the bigger picture here. This is a tremendous act of love by the Apostle Paul. And you say, well, of, of course, he's, he's an apostle. He, he loved that way. But look, look at verse 1 again. See that pronoun there? That's a plural pronoun. Therefore, when we could endure it, no longer. If you remember from last week, Silas and Timothy were with Paul. Silas and Timothy loved the way Paul loved. And they weren't apostles. So you know what that means? You and I can love the way the the apostle Paul loved. If you are in Christ, then the love of God has been given to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells inside you. You see, Jesus Christ has been raised. Jesus Christ has been glorified. And when Jesus sent forth his Holy Spirit who came down and dwelt in believers, the same Holy Spirit that dwelt in Paul dwells in you. You and I can love like the Apostle Paul loved. Now how do we do that? How do we apply this practically? Well, without question, first on the list would be Romans 12.2. Which says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It always begins with renewing your mind with the word of God, reading your Bible, conforming your mind to the mind of God so that God's thoughts become your thoughts. God's concerns become your concerns. God's character becomes your character. God's activities become your activities. And God's mission becomes your mission. Conformity to this world, and I know this from experience, conformity to this world will get you nowhere with regards to love for the brethren you cannot love the way Jesus loved if you are conformed to this world. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's powerful. Continued conformity to the heart of God, not the world, but to the heart of God. That is how we can love the way Christ loved, and the way the Apostle Paul loved. Now, this isn't to say that we are to be hostile to the people in the world. We're to love the people in the world, right? We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But the world system, we're to reject that. And we are to conform to the heart of God. God, who said in John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be Christ-like, and we're called to sacrificially love and lay down our lives for our friends. Now that, it may not be in the sense that we are going to physically die for our friends, maybe, but probably not. But it certainly is in the sense that we die to ourselves, that we consider others as more than ourselves. And we're to sacrifice for others to the point of loss. We're to sacrifice our time for others to the point of loss. Sacrifice our energy for others to the point of loss. Sacrifice our reputation, our rights, our desires, our status, our possessions, and we're to sacrifice our comfort for others to the point of loss. That's the way Jesus loved. And that's the way we are called to love. Next on the list, if you want to love the way Christ loves, go to him in prayer. Ask him to give you the love that only he can give. You know, it's not natural for us to sacrifice so much for others to the point of loss. It does not come natural to us. Only the Holy Spirit can give us this kind of love. And is, isn't it amazing that we can go directly to the Creator of the universe and bring our petitions to Him and He hears us? That's amazing. We have a prayer team at this church that every Monday at 7 o'clock in the cafe, they meet and they pray over all the prayer requests that come through this church. So if you ever want to join them, Mondays at 7 o'clock in the cafe. And our prayer team leader, Doug Renault always says this. He says that we have a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Amen? Amen. Matthew 21, says, all things... You ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, I want you to be very careful with that. This isn't saying that you can just pray for whatever you want and you're going to get it, right? You can't pray for a Mercedes and then tomorrow it's going to pop up in your garage. Remember uh, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything, now watch this, according to His will. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. We can love the way Paul loved. We can love the way Jesus loves because we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And if we ask... He will provide. Remember, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper. He's the helper because he gives us the strength and the ability to obey God's word. And it begins with the study of the scriptures, renewing your mind, and praying, asking him to give you that love. There's one more thing on this list how to love like the Apostle Paul loved. Most of us don't like this one. Saying no to the idol of self. Saying no to the idol of self. Boy, that one stings. It stings. This type of idolatry has caused so much destruction in your life and my life. We tend to think too much about ourselves first, don't we? That it's all about us. We do. I know I do. But remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. We need to foster this kind of love here at this church. Let's desire that we all continue in sanctification and let our hearts break when someone falls away from the faith. We just sang this morning to the Lord, break my heart for for what breaks yours. Let our hearts break when someone wanders This type of love is not just for the pastors, it's not just for the elders, it's not just for the leaders of this church. It's for all of us. For all of us. Look at verse 1 again. It says, When we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. I find it interesting that Paul uses the word alone in this sentence. He could have just said, When we could endure it no longer, we thought it would be best to be left behind at Athens, period, or comma in this case. But he uses the word alone, and that gives us a very clear insight into the heart of Paul. Paul was not this independent, self-reliant apostle who needed nobody. He only needed God's word. He only needed the knowledge that God was present, and he needed nothing else. That wasn't the Apostle Paul. If you ever get a chance to read through the book of 2 Timothy, you'll see this. You'll see as he laments about all the people uh, that he did ministry with that have just kind of either left the faith or just left him for various reasons. 2 Timothy will show you that. He was not a man so far above you and me, he was just like us, with the same weaknesses and the same needs. And yet, he was able to accomplish so much. He wrote half of the New Testament as he relied on God and God's people for strength. That's encouraging. That encourages me. Listen, God, we were made in the image of God, right? And God is a relational being, He wants us to be in relationship with Him. God has designed you, God has designed salvation so that you cannot be all that you were created to be without your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I I know people, friends of mine, friends who I love so much, who claim to be Christians, and yet they won't go to church. They won't become part of a body of believers. And, And I would suggest that people that are a lone wolf in their faith, it's not because they're super spiritual or or just incredibly strong in their faith, but, but it's that there's something missing there. There's something wrong. Our need for one another, it does not mean that we're weak. It means that not only are we truly in the faith, but also that we are functioning biblically as a body of believers. You know, believe it or not, there, there are some who look down on us, on those of us who, who need spiritual support the way Paul did. That when a weaker saint comes to them and, and says that he feels so alone, so abandoned, the supposedly stronger believer admonishes him and says, well, you just got to Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with it. All you need is God. All you need is His Word. Stop being so needy. Let me say this. If you're ever tempted to respond that way to a believer in need, go to the Lord in prayer immediately. Ask Him to give you the words to say at that moment. Because if you're going to say those things to, the, to a believer in need, you have to say those things to the Apostle Paul. God designed us, God designed the church to rely on each other for strength and to encourage one another. Now there are some times when we feel weak or abandoned because we're in the flesh or because we're in sin. And in those cases, we don't need to be comforted. We need to be admonished. We need to be exhorted. We need that tough love from a a brother in Christ. But when someone comes to you and says that they feel so alone, exercise caution. Be very careful what words come out of your mouth. Here's something to consider. We can minister to each other because we love each other. But so much of, of our love is based on something good that we see in each other. But what about when we see something in one another that's not so good? I, I mean, I, I'm not always going to come across you out in the world and, and we're happy to see one another. I mean, we're, 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 we're fallen. We're, we're sinners, At some point, and this is a guarantee in any human relationship, at some point, we are going to fail one another. Guaranteed. And so if our love for each other, and if our ministry is based solely on what we deserve, it's going to be very unstable. But if I understand that you belong to Christ and you understand that I belong to Christ, we do it for Christ, then we have an unshakable motive because we are doing it for the glory of the Lord. Watch this. uh, Romans 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My sin, your sin, our sin is the reason that Jesus was nailed to that cross. And if Jesus can love me that much to die on a cross for me after I sinned against him time after time after time, then I can love the person who's unlovable. I can encourage the person who might be succumbing to the temptations of the tempter. You say, well, that's all good and fine. You know, maybe I can love someone who's unlovable, but what about loving your enemies? Right? Like Jesus says in Matthew 5, love your enemies. Maybe a brother or a sister in Christ has sinned against you. Maybe someone in this church has done that. I've seen situations where two people go to the same church, one of them sins against another, and the one who was hurt ends up leaving their church. That breaks my heart. It's not biblical. We are commanded to reconcile with each other. In Matthew 18. We're to reconcile and we are to love one another. And I know, I know that's hard. I know sometimes you just want to say, I don't want to reconcile with this person. I just I just want to be done with this guy. I certainly don't want to love him or encourage him. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Something else I want to point out. Look at verse 2. He says, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. When you look at this verse, this is an incredible statement. Incredible. He says, We sent Timothy, our brother. This is an apostle saying this. Timothy's spiritual father, his mentor. And Paul doesn't refer to Timothy as his assistant or his apprentice. He refers to him as his brother. He calls him his brother, but not only his brother, he calls him God's fellow worker. That's astonishing. Astonishing. Think about this. This demonstrates the privilege that believers have as we go about the business of doing God's work. I mean, what does that say about our identity in Christ? Those of us who have repented and put our faith and trust in Jesus, what does that say about our identity in Him? If Paul would have called Timothy his fellow worker, that alone would have been astonishing. But he doesn't call him my fellow worker, he calls him God's fellow worker. That's marvelous. I mean, that that takes my breath away. Timothy has been called to work with God in the most important and greatest undertaking in the history of the world, the taking and sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. You and I are part of that same endeavor. We work with God to bring the gospel to our friends, to our neighbors, to our families, coworkers, whoever God has put in our lives, in order that they might be saved from the judgment of their sin. What an incredible privilege. We need to embrace that. You're a co-worker with God. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that you're an equal partner with God. Obviously. We've been made a co-laborer with the apostles and a fellow worker with God. I mean, how encouraging is that? Fellow workers with God, but not equal partners. Let me try to illustrate that. When I was about two years old, we moved here to Anaheim Hills. A couple years later... I'm about four years old, and my dad builds a gazebo in the backyard. And I can remember dragging the wood, giving him the nails to hammer in, giving him the hammer. I can remember uh, taking about two hours to hammer a nail halfway into the wood because that thing was so heavy for me as a four-year-old. And when we were all done, I remember looking at that thing and thinking, man, Dad and I did a good job building that gazebo. Reality is I probably didn't do anything maybe helped a little bit. It was all my dad. He did it all. It's the same thing with God. We, we do work, we do things, but it's all God. It's all God. He does it all. We are fellow workers with God. And we can love the way God loved as fellow workers. We can love the way Paul loved So my encouragement to you as we close. If you want to love the way Jesus loves, if you want to love the way the Apostle Paul loved, here's here's our three things. First, renew your mind with God's word. Read your Bible. Be in the word. Join a community group if you're not already part of one so that you can study God's word and be held accountable to it. Second, pray. Pray. Seek the Lord's will. Ask Him to open doors for you and and show you how He wants you to minister to people, how people need to be loved. And third, the stinger, reject the idol of self. Seek the interest of others before you seek your own. Reject the lie that it's all about you. If we do those things, God will open and close doors according to His will. He'll show you who needs to be loved, who needs to be comforted. God will reveal His will to you. Just pray. And He'll reveal it through His written word and through the open and closed doors. Sometimes it's more clear than it is other times. Sometimes it might be a long time before He reveals His will to you. But He will reveal it in His perfect timing. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close this in prayer as the worship team makes their way up. If you need prayer, our prayer team is going to be to my left. If you need prayer for anything, they'd love to pray with you. They'd love to minister to you. So I encourage you if you need prayer to come see them. Thank you for all for being here. Thank you for who you are and for just being a church family. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've loved us so much before we ever loved you. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside us so that we can love the way you loved and the Apostle Paul loved. Father, I pray that today's passage would just penetrate our hearts to the depths of our soul, that it would transform our lives. I pray that this church would be a church that ministers to one another, that's, that cares for one another and that cares for a brother or sister who might be struggling. I pray that you would protect us from the tempter, Lord, and that we would just be that bright and shining light to this world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.